0: My hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele. Thanks for joining me today. Well, here we are, one week into November. Thanksgiving is on the horizon. Those soon-to-be butterball turkeys are gobbling in fear, the stovetop stuffing is patiently waiting to be rehydrated, and the cranberry sauce is working on its can lines. I don't know about you, but I can hardly wait. But waiting is exactly what we're here for today, actually, uh, because three days after Thanksgiving is the beginning of the next big date on our church calendar, which is Advent, a season marked by waiting. Today, we dive into Advent, and once again, we are joined by InterVarsity's Director of Alumni Relations and all-around smart guy, Jason Gabry. He's here to help us demystify Advent and the practices that go along with it, and he's also going to share some helpful resources for Advent engagement, including his very own book, Wait With Me, Meeting God in Loneliness. Make sure you grab your copy on IVP's website, and don't forget to use your handy-dandy 40% alumni discount. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Here's Jason. This one's for you, alumni. Hello, Jason. Hey, John. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you back on the podcast for what is, is this like round three? I think. I think so. This is round three. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to continue our conversation about the church calendar. We're going to talk about Advent. But first, for those who are maybe this is their first episode with you that they're tuning in, just give us a quick introduction. Jason, who are you?
1: My name is Jason Gabry. I have worked with InterVarsity for the last 25 years. And for the last two years, I've served as director for alumni relations. So, Jason, as we talk about Advent today, in the spirit of that
0: topic, there's something that we need to just lay to rest. And that's around Christmas music. When, when, in your opinion, is it appropriate for us to start listening to Christmas music?
1: Oh, man, that's a hard question. Can you avoid Christmas music before Advent? I was at a Filipino restaurant in... Late September, and there was a Christmas album on in the background. So I'm not sure that Christmas music can be fully avoided. So I would say that there is no rule (laughs) except the rule of liberty on this. If you love Christmas music and it feeds your soul, then may the Lord bless you. If you want to be a purist, technically in the church, we shouldn't be singing Christmas hymns before the season of Christmas, which actually doesn't start until December 25th. The season before Christmas, where we tend to sing a lot of Christmas hymns, is actually the season of Advent. And Advent hymns tend to be a little different. Classic Christmas hymn would be, Joy to the World, The Lord Has Come, Let Earth Receive Her King. Advent hymn would be more in the vein of, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. I mean, they kind of have a different vibe to them. It's no wonder that Christmas hymns are more popular. As a worship leader who has waited longer than usual to start
0: playing Christmas hymns at times, you get a lot of very critical feedback. (laughs) People are like, this is a short season, John. We only get to sing these songs for a short time of the year. Don't make it even shorter. Come on, man. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's a fantastic answer, Jason. That was an even better answer than I expected. So good start here. I have one more thing before we jump right into Advent itself. I want to talk about what leads up to Advent. The last time you were with us, we were talking about Holy Week. We were talking about Easter. And it's been months since we talked about anything else. So what is that gap of time and what is its purpose in the life of the church and in the calendar?
1: I do want to challenge the question a little bit because there is actually a really important holiday between Easter and Advent, and that's the holiday of Pentecost. You're right. (laughs) What the heck, man? Why did I not catch that? Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) So 50 days after Easter, we celebrate Pentecost. And Pentecost is really important at so many levels. Pentecost, as you know, is the first fruits season. And so it's the first fruits where we're celebrating God's provision, but it's also the first fruits of God's kingdom renewal project through the church. It's the dramatic reversal of the story of Babel. God changes the languages to send the people out into the rest of the world to fulfill the creation mandate. Well, here you have people from every language, nation and tongue gathered in Jerusalem. And the tongues that come actually bring people together. They don't separate them. So it's a dramatic reversal. And then it's the sending of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples of Jesus to empower the church for witness. So that's pretty important. Yes. (laughs) After Pentecost, the church celebrates what is called ordinary time. It's not called ordinary because it's predictable and dull. It's called ordinary time because it's ordinal, sequenced, or numbered. And you get the idea in the Psalms teach us, O Lord, to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so that's the idea that these are numbered days. But when we hear the word ordinary, we often think of dull, predictable, nothing special going on here. But that's not it at all. If we are filled with the Spirit, and we're growing in love for God and for our neighbors, and especially growing in love for our neighbors who are different from us, or who are vulnerable or in need, and if we're applying our Spirit-filled gifts and graces in the work of God, the work that God has given us to do, and the work of being a witness to Jesus' kingdom, then the first fruits of God's renewal of creation are happening around us even if it's hard to see. And there's nothing boring or predictable about that. This matters, I think, for alumni. It's a time to pay attention to the work of the Spirit in your day job, in the ordinary stuff of choosing, where am I going to live? And where am I going to worship? And who am I going to surround myself with? And how am I going to give what God has given me in an empowered by the Spirit way to bear witness to Jesus and to serve my neighbor? And honestly, if we're doing that, then God will provide opportunities for us to be engaged in loving service. And that's anything but dull or predictable.
0: Jason, you know, there's a word that I love to use in our conversations, (laughs) (laughs) which is fascinating. And that is indeed fascinating. I have never heard that ordinary relates to ordinal. That shines a light on this time that is so helpful because I've always thought, why is it ordinary? It feels more like this is application time focus time we have these seasons that we come up for air together that we we celebrate we remember we prepare and then it's almost like okay this is what we've been preparing for let's do it and it's interesting that it's such an extended period of time you've got several of these holidays that are in pretty quick succession to one another and then it's like all right community let's do this stuff together that we've been preparing for
1: yeah exactly right it's go time go be the church, go be the people of God, be filled with the spirit and be in scripture and be paying attention to Jesus, be loving your neighbors. And as you do that, we don't need the holiday or the special event in order to be about the kingdom project that Jesus is doing. It comes through the ordinary time.
0: So then this ordinal time, go time leads us up to the season of Advent. So let's just start very broad.
1: Yeah, Advent is a four-week season of reflection and prayer and repentance, of active waiting as we prepare for the coming of Jesus. Maybe you've had an Advent calendar where you sort of pull back the dates till Christmas, and sometimes maybe there was a chocolate in there, sometimes maybe there was a coin in there, and it's totally fine. I'm not anti-Advent calendar, despite what I'm going to say next, but it's potentially misleading. What happens in some of these things is we can easily think that the season of Advent is about waiting for Christmas, and it isn't. It's actually about waiting for Jesus, which is a very different thing. Yes, Christmas is coming where we'll celebrate the incarnation, the coming of Jesus. But Advent, we're not waiting for the Christmas season. We're waiting for Jesus to come and to come again. We're waiting for Jesus' kingdom to come in its fullness and in its full power.
0: Yeah, that feels like an important distinction that it's not just here's our season of waiting to celebrate and have presence. But what does it look like to wait for Jesus from the beginning as best as we can? What are the historical roots of Advent? Where did it come from?
1: Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which is a translation of a Greek word, the Greek word parousia, or appearing. So it's a season of active waiting for Jesus' appearing. The earliest evidence we have for Advent is late 4th century, and it's from the church in what today would be called Spain and Europe. And it may have been connected to a season of fasting, discipleship, and learning the faith in preparation for baptism at Christmas. There's some good evidence for that. Early Christians were very interested in linking baptism to these days of celebration, being baptized at the Easter vigil or Christmas. So it might have been that the season does really begin to solidify around the 6th century. That's interesting to hear you say that the
0: supposed beginnings of this sounds very similar to what we talked about in our Lent series. This was a season of time to learn the faith. And then you get to the end of this season. And this is where we have our day of baptism to say, yes, I am affirming that I am bought into this faith. So as I think about Advent today, I think about lighting candles. Why do we light candles? What do those candles represent? And then are there other notable symbols during the Advent season?
1: So zooming out a little bit, light, it's an ancient image for the presence of God. Early Christian confession that talks about the Holy Spirit, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Of course, John's gospel in him was life and the life was the light of all people. And so ancient essential connection between light and God's presence, particularly when you remember that electric light. And ubiquitous light is a very modern phenomena. And for most of our history as a species, when it gets dark, we huddle together around the fire because you can fall in the dark. You can be hurt in the dark. The dark is cold, potentially menacing. So big picture, light is about life. It's about hope. It's about the presence of God. We are contemplating and waiting for the light of Christ to come into the darkness of our world. And then each candle represents a different theme. I'll talk about each one of them, but just to give us some context, none of these themes are meant to be big, broad, romanticized themes. They're meant to be really specific. So the first candle that you light is the candle which represents hope. It's not some kind of vague belief in the goodness of the world or the potential of humanity. The hope, candle is the hope that is embodied in the people of God, that someday God will restore heaven and earth and there'll be a new heaven and new earth. It's the hope that our life with God as a community today is a foretaste of the new heaven, new earth reality in the reign of Jesus. And as the church, we are in a relationship with God that goes all the way back to Moses. It goes all the way back to Abraham. It goes all the way back to the first woman and man. And this idea that it's always been God's plan, God's desire to dwell with his human creatures in love and freedom and fellowship. And so we're hoping for that. The second candle is a meditation on peace. Again, this is not like give peace a chance. It's specific, And it particularly has to do with the question, how are human beings to have peace with God? How are rebellious and sinful and violent, oppressed and oppressing people really to have peace with God? The way the prophets in the scriptures talk about this, this thing that we're hoping for, the day of the Lord. The prophets point out that the day of the Lord is not good news to tyrants and bullies. It's not good news to the wealthy who exploit the poor. And so on the second week of Advent, we're meant to examine ourselves by the light of their words. Are you worshiping the one true God, seeking to know the Lord and to reflect his goodness and justice? Or are you turning to idols and oppressing your neighbor? And we are to seek to have peace with God. Otherwise, the Lord's appearing is not good news for us. The third week symbolizes love, not love sentimentalized but the key figure for the week is John the Baptist. His message was repent because Messiah is coming. Get yourself ready to receive and to respond to God's messenger, God's Messiah. But then more specifically, when people asked John, what do we do? His message was very simple. He said, well, if you have two coats, give one of them to the person who has no coats. And if you have food, then share your food with the person who doesn't have food. And if you are in a position to earn wages, be content with the living that you have and seek to love and serve others with the resources that God has given you. So love is not just, oh, I feel good. I feel warmly towards you. Love is understood practically as giving oneself and giving one's resources for the sake of our neighbor, particularly those neighbors who are vulnerable. And then the last candle is joy. And here, the key passage that we reflect on is Mary's joyful exaltation in the presence of the announcement that through her, the Messiah of Israel and the hope of the world is going to come. And she says, my spirit exalts in God because he's done mighty things for me. His name is holy. And then she goes on to say all the things that God's promise is going to mean. And it's going to mean that the bullies of the world, the tyrants of the world are going to be cast down and the lowly are going to be lifted up and that God's presence to his people, that thing that was promised all the way back with Abraham, God's going to bring that about. God's going to fulfill his covenant. And there's joy as she recognizes that that's coming true and that she's playing a part in that. And so we have these four weeks and we reflect on hope and peace and love and joy but not kind of vaguely and generalized but in the specific story of God's coming to us as we await the coming
0: of Jesus. You've used this word active waiting, living into these very active ideas, hope peace and love and joy, that their full completion are coming down the road, but that those are things that we are living into here and now as we're waiting for Jesus, that it isn't just this humdrum four weeks of like, man, things are just bad until <laughs> Jesus gets here. It's just bad news for us. It's like, no, there is hope to be lived right. into and to meditate on. There is Peace, love, joy, all of these things that will be brought to completion when Jesus gets here. So it feels like this very interesting tension that you experience as you're thinking about those things and as you are actively waiting for Jesus.
1: Yeah. And that dynamic tension, John, that you've just explained, that is the secret to Christian prayer. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we saying? we're saying that the Lord's kingdom hasn't come as much as we want it to. We're saying, Lord, more of your kingdom. We want more of our life to be shaped by the Spirit's work in us as we forgive, as we're forgiven. We receive our daily bread, but we also share our bread. We are entering into this tension between we've already received hope We've already received forgiveness. We received love. We've already received the joy of knowing the Lord. And yet there's more. And every Christian prayer begins in gratitude for what God has already done and extends into a time of asking God to do even more and to use us in the process. Why is waiting and active
0: waiting such an important part of Advent It feels particularly appropriate, especially given our sort of modern Western life. On the go, everything is sort of instantaneous. And this is a practice that was established long before that was a reality. So what is it about the human condition that the idea of waiting is good for us to just live into for a few weeks here?
1: What a great question. I mean, the simple answer to the question is we emphasize waiting because the whole season is really about waiting for Jesus. And I do wonder sometimes if we've lost the sense of expectancy. The early church expected Jesus was going to return. It could happen any moment. And so I'm attentive to that. And Advent helps us pay attention to that. The parousia, the adventus, the appearing of Jesus. One day we will see Jesus. And until that day, we live in longing and in expectant hope. And let me sidebar on waiting. Waiting is, in my view, the emotionally and spiritually healthy response to a world in trauma. When things feel chaotic or grievous, we tend to go in two directions reflexively, denial or despair. So denial can manifest as avoidance. Oh, it's not really that bad. You know, it's better than it used to be. Let's just distract ourselves with good things because life isn't really that bad. Or it could also show up as a refusal to deal with human vulnerability and complexity. The idea that if we can just get the right people into office, then we won't have to deal with all the change, all the complexity, all the pain, all the grief, all the fear, all the human vulnerability that we're struggling with. It's very natural, but all of that is a form of or an expression of denial in the face of disorientation, change, or trauma. But then the other place that we tend to go is despair. Despair can show up as depression. Despair can show up as cynicism, as bitterness towards people or towards the system. You all are never going to change. Nothing could get better. And it's so natural for us when we experience a world in trauma to go to those two places. Waiting is fundamentally different. Waiting refuses to avoid vulnerability it doesn't say, no, it's not that bad. It doesn't say, oh, well, but if we can really just get the right people in office, there's going to be a quick fix. No, no, no. Waiting says we're not going to pretend everything's fine or that there's a quick fix. Instead, we're going to admit that we're vulnerable, that the kingdom is not here in all of its fullness, that as long as we're in this time between Jesus's ascension and Jesus's return, we are in this Place of tension that we cannot solve ourselves, and we are waiting in active participation for God to meet us and to make things right. It's also a way of refusing despair. We're not going to throw our hands up and say, It's not going to get any better. It's just meaningless. It's just suffering all the way down. No, we hold the complexity and the vulnerability together before God, and we say, Jesus, come come and meet us in these places of vulnerability and come and show us how to reflect your character, your goodness, your power in the midst of the very real vulnerability that we carry. Scripture says those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. It doesn't imply a state of passive resignation. I'm just going to sit here and drink my tea and put my (laughs) feet up on the sofa. And then when God gets around to it, I'll be renewed in strength. It's more like waiting table. It's meant to be attentive to where the Lord is at work, where the Lord is revealing himself and moving and working. And we put ourselves to that as a waiter brings the menu, as a waiter brings the meal to the table. We look at what the Lord requires, and then we give ourselves to that actively. And that's waiting on the Lord. And it's as we do that, that we renew our strength because God is near and God is always working. And so waiting is so much healthier for us than denial. Oh, everything's fine when it isn't or despair. Things will never get better.
0: Those four candles that we talked about, those four weeks, that gives you something very specific to sort of hold on to and to say things aren't great. There's not a quick fix to this, but here the ultimate fix is found in Jesus and in this quality that he will completely fulfill when he returns. That feels really helpful that we get to have those touch points every week as we do this active waiting. Are there other important rhythms that we could be considering as we step into the season that will help us participate in this active waiting or just in other important components of the Advent season?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Advent has been one of the most formative times for our family. One of the things we do in Advent is we read the whole story of Scripture. We start in Genesis every year, and we have a season of nightly readings and reflections. And we reflect together on the whole story leading up to Jesus's incarnation. And that is profound. So many of us shortcut creation, fall, Jesus. And we forget that there's thousands of years of God at work with people in between creation and Jesus. And there's this long redemptive history that's going on. We reflect on the humanity. We reflect on God's revelation. We reflect on the brokenness. So reflecting on the whole story of scripture is really important. I think for alumni, especially if you're between college and the next longer season of life, Having an Advent buddy, somebody that you're doing Advent with, whether it's a small group or another Christian at your job, you have lunch once a week and you light the candle and you talk about one of the scripture stories. But having an Advent buddy, we're really meant to do this Christian life thing with each other. The two other classic ones are simplicity and giving. Consider in Advent, simplifying your life. What would it mean for you to eliminate hurry in your life by 30%? What would it mean to eliminate the chatter of social media? Advent happens right after American Thanksgiving. And there's lots of opportunities in the holiday season to eat rich food. I'm all for eating rich food. Let's do it. But could there be a simultaneous invitation to be simple in our diet, to be simple in our consumption of media, to be simple in our rhythms? That's a key one. And then giving, we share our resources, taking some time to really think about the resources you have. They might be books, they might be clothes, they might be material resources, they might be money, they might be talents and say, you know what, this year I'm going to give generously because... I have two coats, but my brother or sister doesn't have any coats. I have plenty of food, which means I need to share food with people who might not have food. So those are really appropriate spiritual disciplines. And again, if you only pick one, pick, have an Advent buddy, do something,
0: (laughs) but do it together. Those feel very tangible. Like I can do one of these and I can commit to it for this season. Jason, I know that in 2020 that you published a book called Wait With Me. Would you tell us just a little bit about that book and how it might be a resource for us to consider during this season?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'll tell you about the book and I'll tell you about another resource. So, so many alumni go through a period of loneliness after they graduate, and that is totally normal. But it's also really painful and disorienting. And so, what I do in the book, Wait With Me Meeting God in Loneliness, is I help readers transform loneliness into love. Loneliness is hard to talk about because it's so painful and it raises such anxieties, such fears within us about not measuring up and not being desired or not being seen or heard and all the things. If you are a listener and you're experiencing that, I want you to know that's a normal part of the season of transition that you're in. And yet, the work that I'm doing in Wait With Me is I'm helping transform that experience into love, love of God, love and compassion for yourself and your experience, a love of Jesus and love of neighbor. We do that through meditations on scripture and reflections on the question about how to meet God in the context of our loneliness and disorientation. So that's a resource I think it's very apt for Advent and they can find that on intervarsitypress.com. You can get
0: your alumni discount if you get it through IVP, 40% off.
1: That's right. So sign up for your alumni discount and you can get that book. If every listener would buy three, one for themselves and two for their friends, I wouldn't be disappointed. (laughs) Nor would you or your friends. That's a good resource. The other resource that is available to your listeners is on my blog, jasongabry.com. I have a series of reflections on Advent. They're about 500 words each, and they are essentially quick reflections based on Genesis 1 to Matthew 1 over the course of four weeks. If they go to jasongabry.com, they can find that. It's called The Jesse Tree. As a series based on that, I will likely repost those for Advent. That could also be a really good resource.
0: Jason, thanks for joining us again. I'll just bookend our conversation. This has been fascinating. (laughs) I love what for me has been continuing to demystify some of these calendar days, things like ordinary time that doesn't just mean standard, normal, boring. (laughs) I'm learning wonderful things from these conversations. So thank you for investing your knowledge in me and in us. We appreciate it.
1: Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. As I think about
0: waiting, it seems like something alumni and other post-college people are probably pretty familiar with. You were waiting for COVID to go away and quit ruining your final days on campus or your first days in a new job. You've been waiting for political figures to get their act together and make decisions that encourage justice and love and mercy. You've been waiting for all the time that you've spent studying and studying and studying to pay off and help you land the dream job in your field. Waiting for community, for love, for direction. For one thing or another, you have most certainly been waiting. Advent feels like a fork in the road situation, alumni. Being people who have spent all this time waiting, it could be easy to look at a season that doubles down on the concept and say either, no thanks, I'm done thinking about this, why don't you look me up at Christmas? Or you might step in with hope, tentative though it may be, and say, maybe there's a reason for this. Maybe there's something Jesus wants to say about all this waiting and see if there's something that God wants to do with the long season of waiting that you found yourself in. I hope that this conversation with Jason helps that second option feel like a more viable one. I hope you'll find your Advent buddy and take advantage of that alumni discount so you can grab a copy of Jason's book, Wait With Me, Meeting with God in Loneliness, or that you'll hop onto his website and engage with a daily devotional through the Advent season. We're dropping these Advent episodes early so that you have some time to prep and pick a resource or two that helps you engage in healthy ways. You can find links to both of those options in the show notes. Thanks a lot, Jason, for joining us today and for offering your wisdom about waiting with and for Jesus during this season. Okay, we're not done with Advent resources. Come back next week for our chat with Betty Dickinson about her new book, Making Room in Advent, 25 Devotionals for a Season of Wonder. Betty's going to tell us the story behind developing the book, about the incredible paintings that accompany each entry, and when I say incredible, I mean incredible. You need to see these things. And how she hopes that it will bless you in your engagement with the Advent season. I really look forward to sharing that with you next time. As always, please be sure to subscribe to After 4, leave us a rating and a review if your platform allows you to do so, and share with all of those old chapter besties of yours. It's a major help for us when you do those things. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you in the after, alumni.